Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way? No, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet, our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Podcast. I am your guest host still. Drew hasn't fired me yet. Um, Sonny Spira and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Ron Sheffdorf. And uh, Ron has a, a very interesting history um, that we'll get to. Uh, today's topic is going to be on how to practice without a hygienist and make it work and work well. And he's done this quite a long time and has a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience. We're going to try to pull all that material out from him in a, in a reasonable amount of time. So keep you all interested. So let me give you some background on, on Ron. Uh Ron is a graduate of Southern Illinois University Carbondale in 79. He, he went to dental school at Southern Illinois University, 79 to 83. He did a full mouth rehabilitation training with a prosthodontist, Dr. Boyd, there. He's published over 50 articles and gives CE seminars at several major dental conventions and meetings. He's been on Dental Town, The Profitable Dentist, and others and has several articles now on www.farmaden.net. And I'm going to share all that in the show notes. Um, currently the owner of the Farmaden Dental Nutraceuticals, um, an owner, and he's uh, presently a dental coach, and he is currently living in beautiful Fort Myers, Florida. And if this is on video, you can get a sense of the beautiful sunshine. If I open my window, you get a sense of the beautiful snow in Binghamton, New York. But if this is audio only, just suffice it to say, it looks a lot nicer where Ron is sitting than where I'm sitting. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the lanai in the pool. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for rubbing it in. <laughs> Ron, welcome. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm really excited to, to tell the story. Um, 
So what would you like to know first? Well, let's start. I always like to get a little bit of background first, just so our listeners have an understanding and appreciate. I don't know if people know you. I know you have a pretty good online presence on Facebook. I've seen you post a lot of places there. Uh, I'm not as familiar with some of your articles, et cetera. But let's cover your grad. So you graduated from Southern Illinois, and you have a very interesting um, beginning of your career. Let's let's talk about where you started. So for the next few minutes, let's cover where you've come from, and then we'll get to where you are. But let's start where you started when you graduated middle school. What was your first step? All right. Well, I'm glad that you did this because the first half of my career, uh, everybody's going to say, wow, it was wonderful, but actually it was a train wreck and I'll get to that. The second half of my career, I absolutely love being a dentist. So it's a real interesting story. The, the first half, uh, you know, bigger is better. I'm full of testosterone. Let's go conquer the world. You know, typical 20, 28 year old or whatever we are at that time. And so what we did, my wife and I is an, is an accountant. So we started with one practice and the deal was with the owner that I would be an associate for six months, then he would be an associate for six months and then he would retire. And so that was the deal. And he wanted to test me to six months, make sure the patients liked me and they did. And uh, so he turned over the reins and then he associated a day and a half a week. And uh, that's how I bought the first practice. I didn't change anything the first year let me ask you a question uh -huh. about that. Number one, how did you find that practice? Door knock. Say again? I went, I, door knocking. I love it. I love I, it. <laughs> I went to every freaking practice, I think, in Chicago. I talked to every equipment salesman. I talked to everybody. Beat the street. And yeah. I beat the street. I beat the hell out of everything. And this wasn't really even a place. Um, I'll tell you how it happened. I called the dental supply company. I was so desperate for a job, I'm right? I'm married, I needed some money. I go, geez, I'll run around, pick up impressions or deliver stuff. What, what do you want me to do? Um, so the secretary, I told her the story when I called him, she mistakenly switched me over to the sales department that was selling dental practices. And so I'm, I'm telling this guy the story. He goes, well, I sell practices. He says, I, I can't help you. He says, but you know what? I'm on my way to Brookfield to see a practice. This guy wants to sell. Why don't you just meet me there? Pure dumb luck. Well, no, it's not. See, you know what? <laughs> that's not, to me, that is desire and, and effort. And that's yeah. nothing more than if you're being rewarded for the amount of effort you put in. So he entered, you meet him. Okay, so now was it all... Um, was it brokered, so to speak, because you had a six month you work and then if it works, you're buying, did all that stuff, was all that stuff done ahead of time? How did you handle the business out of that? Yeah, we did. We set the price of the practice ahead of mm -hmm. time. Uh, and it was clear that he needed to, not him like me, but will the patients accept me? He was clear with that because I was the third associate there. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah, he chewed, he chewed through three guys, well, two guys. And then I was number three. He fired the other two. So I'm rolling my eyes going, oh, okay, let's see how this right. goes. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I communicate well with people. I enjoy what I do. I love helping people. And I, I think that came out uh, real quickly with them. Money is secondarily, but I always set, like setting the, the fees high. So I don't have to worry about the money. No matter what I do, I'm going to get paid well. The mistake he was making is that, you know, he, his fees were really, really low. 
And he was, even though a fee for service at, at that time, there really wasn't insurance. Um, I did, I didn't change the fees or anything. I kept the staff that he had. He had a couple staff members and, um, just basically got to know the patients and just tried to help everybody that came through the door. So the second year after I've met everybody once or twice, uh, then I started inching up the fees by year three, uh, I was charging what I was worth and it thinned out to hurt. Um, I lost probably 25% of the practice, but what I found very quickly, there was no hygienist in this practice. And in those days that wasn't really uncommon. So, what I figured out, I was, I go, you know, I could do this by myself. I'm, I'm diagnosing a lot of things. I'm, um, there's a lot of work to do in this practice because he really patched up, you know, huge amalgams and mm -hmm. there's a lot of crown and bridge to do. And I go, you know, I really don't need a ton of people here. There's plenty of work here. And so I just started that way. I don't like getting interrupted in, in, in between procedures. You know, it just drives me crazy if somebody comes in when I'm trying to focus and do the best work I can to bother me with anything. I go, uh, if the place is on fire, my wife or kids calls, that's it. <laughs> Otherwise, I, don't bother me. And um, that, that's just me. You know, I just don't like to be bothered. And, um, and I like to stay focused. So that's the way I started my career. And, you know, I was focused on full mouth rehabs right from the beginning, because that's what we did senior year for a whole year with Dr. Boyd. And um, so I kind of gravitated towards that, even though I saw children and I saw adults and everybody. Uh, but we got real busy. Word got around town um, and I got busy. I got so busy, I had to hire an associate. And so the associate, I trained them the way that I was doing it because it was very profitable. We didn't have a hygienist. We didn't have to have a big staff and we were making a ton of dough. So I trained him how to do that. Well, he got really busy, like really quick within two years. And I go, dude, you know, our tongues are hanging out. What are we going to do? Well, he says, oh, my buddy needs a job. All right, we hired his buddy, trained him the same way. I bought the building, tripled the office size. So then we had three of us cranking in there from seven in the morning till 10 at night. So <laughs> two different shifts. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Oh man. We now, were, now give, give us some idea of your staff. Cause you said not a lot of staff, so no hygienist, but yeah, if no you're, hygienist. you're working. So I'm assuming you at least have one dental assistant, maybe two and front desk. I mean, give us some idea of what you're, you're yeah, cause in, as, in, as you grow and as you expand, I think one of the biggest challenges is having the staff for where you expect to be, not where you are. So. Yeah, the numbers seem to fit no matter where you are that, you know, if you're up to 15 or 20,000 a month in production, that's nothing you can get by with one, one person at the front desk, you, you really don't need anybody else. Mm -hmm. Once you get up to about 25, you better get an assistant. Once you get up to 50, it's nice to have three people in the office, right? You get up to 100, well, you might want to consider maybe getting one more. So I, I find that the numbers kind of dictate 
where your staff should be. And that's worked really, really well for me through the years. So you're working, um, I'm assuming now you have one person at the front, but you now have your other doc working, right? Yep. And there's three of you. Yep. So all total, you probably have, what do you say, six assistants and four or five front desk people total? As soon as he got up to 50 grand a month, yes. Then we had, we had that, but we had two different shifts, right? I would mm -hmm. do, I ended up with seven to one straight. Yeah. And then he would go from 12 to like eight at night. Yeah. So kind of two different shifts, a little yeah. bit of overlapping, but ultimately I was responsible for the hiring, firing, marketing, uh, the facility. And this is where the misery comes in because um, that was okay when you're young, but it really wasn't my passion. You know, it took me away from really patient care, which is really what I enjoyed to do. Well, we got so big in that facility, um, there was an opportunity to buy another practice. And so I bought that practice and hired an associate and trained him the same way. Well, he got busy. So I'm going, holy Christ, I'm creating a monster here. So I started to go more towards the management side. I was still practicing uh, maybe 20 hours a week and the rest probably 40 hours a week. I was man uh, managing this monster. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, let's buy a third practice. Now, let me ask you with the second practice, was it a second location or did you just merge it in here? No, no, second location, about 45 minutes away. Uh-huh, yeah, I, you're, start, you're starting to talk my, my story in my life, but keep going, number three? Yeah, yeah, we, so we you know, had to go to number three, and I was a little smarter on that one. I put that a little bit closer to my house, like maybe 10 minutes away from my house. Mm -hmm. And so hired a doctor, trained him to do the same thing, and he got busy. So I created this, this monster and now it got to the point after 17 years, six associates, a staff of 30, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna practice or am I gonna keep growing this? Um, you know, Rick Workman, uh, he was a classmate of mine. You might've heard of his little, little company, Heartland Dental. Um, you know, so, you know, I had a practice, he had a practice, two practice, three practice. Well, he just zoomed up to, I don't know, a couple hundred really quick. And what I didn't know is that I didn't know how to grow my practices more than three. It just, I couldn't find a doctor, so I didn't know how to do it. And uh, he, he just kept going. Well, the secret was he went to the rural areas where there was no competition. You really didn't even have to work really hard, just put in some decent management skills double the practice. In Chicago, it's very, very competitive. And it was dental schools at that time were starting to close. It was hard to find an associate in Chicago. So um, what I, I decided, I'd rather go back and practice dentistry and take a huge pay cut. Um, so that's what I did. I, I sold that business and uh, to the associates. And they gladly bought it because nobody knew that I was the owner. I treated them and presented them as like owners to the, to the practice. Mm -hmm. So it was nothing but an upside for them. So then I says, you know what? I'm going to set up a practice exactly the way I want. And so I picked out the five treatments that I like to do the best, the times I like to work, how much vacation I want to do. Obviously, I don't like getting interrupted, so there's no hygienist. Uh, plus, I enjoy messing around with the patients during that recare visit. I, 
I really enjoy um, getting to know patients, uh, diagnosing, talking about comprehensive dentistry to them, uh, education, pointing things out on the intraoral uh, camera, TV. Um, I, I enjoy that whole process. So, and it's a break for me in between the hard dentistry. You know, when you're doing full mouth rehabs or half mouth dentistry at a time, and I mean, it's two, three hours of really hard work. I'm right singing to the choir here, but it's really hard work. And I, I didn't think it was good for me to do that all day long or chair hop in between that. It's just too, for me, it's too much pressure. So I figured, you know, I just like to focus on a two or three hour block of time with the patient, you know, and get that done. And then go see a recare patient, horse around with the patient. Uh, and to me, it's a ball to spend 30 minutes with a patient doing a really, really thorough exam. I mean, there's nothing that gets away from me in, in 30 minutes, right? And um, I do an ultrasonic cleaning. I have little marks on the tip of it, one, three, five millimeters. So I'm perioprobing every pocket and yelling that out to the dental assistant. So I'm charting the same time I'm doing the ultrasonic cleaning. Uh, anything looks suspicious. I use a SoPro camera, S-O-P-R-O. It has early detection light on that, which is fantastic. Like the camera pays for itself in a month. Now, and, do they use um, fluorescent or is it just a transillumination light? It's not a transillumination. It's um, decay, early decay will show up red. So whatever technology. I think it's fluorescent, right? I, I think so. I think so. Um, and then I like it because the patient, you know, I, I tell the patient, hey, if we see anything red, there's a small cavity starting. Um, and, you know, I can't be a little sharp thing that all the other dentists use. It's only 60% accurate. This is very accurate. The computer finds it. So it's a new technology. So that wows them, right? And they diagnose themselves. They're looking at the TV while I'm doing this to go, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's one. So I don't even have to say anything. Mm -hmm. So it's, I like that because it's very transparent. I'm not making this stuff up. You want me to do it today? I could do it for you. You know, a small pit takes what, five minutes to do. So, and that's how I consistently made $600 an hour on recare and had a 50% or less overhead. Most of the time it was less, but you know, $600 an hour on recare patients is really easy when you're spending a half hour with them. And then the next half hour I'm in the other room doing another recare, right? The CDA is spending 30 to 45 minutes with them, polishing fluoride, x-rays, sealants, uh, a scan for, let's say a mouth guard or impression tray or, you know, all the stuff they could do. And then I have the products division. Um, we had $2,000 a month in profit just on um, products that we sold in the office. So the assistant would go through that with them, show them how to use the products, why Dr. Schefter wants you to use these products. Because otherwise they're going to go down to Walmart and buy the cheapest stuff on sale. You know, I don't want them to use that. I want them to use stuff. And I would sell this, my products cheaper than they can buy them. Mm -hmm. So they it always, it was good for them. It was convenient. It was cheaper in price and they were better products. Mm -hmm. So the assistant uh, CDA did all that. So I had three, uh, the last 20 years in this office, I had three cross-trained dental assistants, uh, certified dental assistants. One gravitated towards the front desk because she tended to like that a little bit more. Uh, the other one tended to like the back and then the other one enjoyed both. So, you know, it was bounced back and forth. 
But the beautiful part about not having a hygienist and doing it the way we did it is you only need about 500 patients. I did a million dollars a year and had less than a 50% overhead. And I think most doctors would like that. I did mm-hmm. 30, hour, 30 hours a week, took six weeks off, took days off anytime I wanted because there was no hygiene schedule. Um, it was very relaxing pace, very relaxing pace, not a lot of pressure. Didn't have to manage a big staff or a big facility. So well, let's talk. Let's job. let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about your your specifics, right? So, Mrs. Jones is coming in. It's her six month cleaning, right? Let's yeah. let's assume she's you know periodontally healthy enough that it's six months, right? Yeah. So she comes in, and you're seeing her for her cleaning, right? Mm-hmm. For her recare, recall visit, whatever yep. term you guys want people want to use. So you. Your assistant brings her back. You bring her back. Just, just walk us through. I know you, you started to talk about it a little bit, but let's let's just try to get people to 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 visualize, and myself included, because this is not my model at all. But let me understand what what happens. So the patient then comes back. Is she blocked off in your appointment book for thirty minutes, an hour? Um, another question: What's your facility? Do you have? two, three treatment rooms? How many treatment rooms are you typically working out of or, ha- or you have access to? Let's start with that. Okay, treatment rooms, three treatment rooms. Three two treatment rooms, all set up identical? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a given to me that we yep. do the same thing, whether it's yeah, hygiene. It's a no-brainer because you can go in any room and nobody's mm-hmm. lost. Yep. But the third room I rarely used. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's just kind of an overflow or denture adjustment or emergency to come in or, or that was, I really only needed two because I saw one patient at a time, mm-hmm. but the flow would go, the patient would come in. The well, first of all, what were they, what would they be scheduled for typically? Would you oh, schedule a half hour with me Okay. and 45 minutes, half hour with the dental assistant. It just depends on who the patient was. If okay, so Mrs. Office. Jones is coming in at eight o'clock. She expects to be in your office till about nine fifteen. Fair? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. nine fifteen at latest. Okay. Nine o'clock usually, but if they're talkers, it'll be nine fifteen. Okay, keep going. So they see me. We run on time. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't run late in my office. It's it, because we have plenty of time to do stuff. So during that first half hour, you know, we uh, the receptionist would walk around the desk. Uh, say, oh, Miss Jones, how you doing today? Hey, good to see you again. Sometimes we'd even give them a gift, uh, just on a surprise, a little goodie bag or something. Hey, follow me. I'm glad you're, you're here. They'd start some small talk. They'd bring them back and say, hey, would you like to listen to music or watch something on TV today? Music, great. What genre would you would you want? So the dental assistant would get, you know, I had these big TVs hung down from the ceiling and we'd put YouTube music on for them and pick the genre that they wanted or whatever show that they wanted mm-hmm. get them nice and comfortable adjust the headrest are you comfy would you like a blanket um you know you need to go to the washroom before we start just make them feel like a, a guest in your house mm-hmm. and then we had a little um vibrating system she would hit the buzzer for me and i would feel it in my pocket when she was ready so i would come in i'd come in and either touch the patient on the shoulder, shake their hand you know, with COVID. I don't know if you could do that anymore, but uh, you know, I, I think it's important that I touch the patient. There's a lot of studies on that when you come mm-hmm. in. 
Yeah, human know, touch. Just, yeah, just a nice, gentle human touch. Smile. Something we're missing touch. these days. But you're right. Yeah. Even if you just touch their shoulder, yeah. touch their arm, yeah, elbow yeah. to elbow now, whatever it is. Pump, exactly. fist pump. Yeah. Yep. Just like you would a friend. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, smile. It's showtime. I don't care you're sick or you don't feel good. Shut up and smile anyway. It's showtime. You know, mm -hmm. let them know that you're, you know, you're in a good mood. Everything's fine. And um, so, you know, small talk. Hey, how you doing? catch up just to, you know, for about a minute. And I go, okay, great. Are you having anything you'd like to discuss or any issues, anything you want to discuss before we start your cleaning today? And most of the time it wasn't, uh, there wasn't anything. So then I would uh, start with the ultrasound of cleaning. The dental assistant would do the, you know, recordings, uh, any notes she would be talking. If I was talking to her about the notes, the patient would hear it. I'd start taking pictures that would last the ultrasound of cleaning and light hand instrumentation would last on a, somebody in some pretty good shape, maybe 10, 15 minutes at most. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a, not a real long procedure. If I have to spend a long time with a, with a scaler and stuff, they're going into my perio. I mean, you know, they, it's not a simple cleaning, right? If I got to scrape a bunch of tartar off the teeth, this is not just a simple cleaning. Or I would get them back for a second cleaning and call this one a debridement. Mm -hmm. you know, one or the other, but, you know, simple cleanings shouldn't really all take that long. And then I do a full head and neck exam, check the thyroid, lymph nodes, temporalis muscle, muscles, TMJ, occlusion, um, you know, ask them about, you know, their cosmetic, you know, have any cosmetic concerns, give them a mirror. And then I would talk about the things on TV that I took pictures of. And I'd say something like, um, Okay, here's a picture of a tooth that's got a big silver filling in it. Um, but you can see around the edges there, it kind of looks like there's mold growing around it. They love that. They go, oh, I go, yeah, exactly. There's decay, it's called leaking, and there's decay underneath. And so you have a choice. I mean, it doesn't hurt you. You could do nothing and you could wait till it hurts. And, and then we, you know, do a root canal and a crown, or, or maybe you have to remove it and, you know, place an implant. Or we could rebuild that to take out the decay now, rebuild it, have a nice solid foundation. And then with my hands, I show them what a crown is, right? I put my fist and then a, a hand over it. I go, mm -hmm. and then we can put a crown over it. So then it'll protect the tooth so it doesn't break when you're eating. What would you like to do? And usually the money comes up. So the trick with the money is I always talk monthly payments with them. I already know in my mind what a crown and a buildup or possibly a gingivectomy costs. So for me, I'll go, well, it's about $150 a month with no interest, you know, if you want to do the crown. Well, what if I do nothing? Well, if we, if we do nothing and I want to place the implant, uh, that's $6,000. I don't do that in monthly payments because I, want, I really want to save them. I think the better treatment is to save the tooth and put a crown on it right now. Mm -hmm. right? I think it's more conservative. I, I think it'll last a long time. My crowns, you know, if they're well done, they last for 20 or 30 years, mm -hmm. you know, five or 10 years on crowns. I, I just don't buy it. It's, I take responsibility. If I see a crown that lasted five years or seven years and the patient's taking care of themselves, you know, well, I give them a big, big old discount on it. I'll take some of the responsibility. There's something I must've done wrong because mm -hmm. they're taking care of themselves, but that's, that's just me. So I go ahead and, and uh, they, they choose what they want to do. The dental assistant then will do her part, do the x-rays and 
you know, all the things that they legally can do, answer any questions that she's qualified to answer. Um, and then um, she would work out, she's qualified to do care credit and all that too. So she'd just hop on the iPad and do all the financing right there in the operatory. Okay, so you do essentially the physical cleaning portion as well as the periodontal evaluation as well as the full head and yeah, neck exam, right? I do the ultrasonic cleaning, not the polishing, yes. Now, you haven't taken x-rays. So if the if the assistant takes x-rays at this point, how do you work that out where you still have to look at the x-rays? Do you come back and do a second recheck? Yeah, yeah. yeah what she'll do when she's all done, um, she'll buzz me. Uh, a lot of times, like if, if it's for a crown, I want to make sure that that x-ray, I know what I'm getting into before she schedules. Now, if it's just a cleaning and I haven't found anything wrong, we'll take x-rays and I'll look at those at my off hours, non-productive time. If there's interproximal decay, then we will call them up and say, hey, the doctor read the x-rays. There's uh, two cavities, one on the lower right, one on the upper right. Um, and this is a, approximately what the cost is going to be, and he'd like to schedule you next week. Okay, so let's 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 play this. Let's finish this right out. Okay, yeah. so Mrs. Jones is in the chair. Yeah. You've done X, Y, Z. Now your dental assistant has done A, B, and C. Uh, or pick whatever letters of the alphabet you want to use. I don't mean to use the, the alpha and the omega. There's nothing intentional there. So. You've gone through that, and you now have um, basically completed that exam. So yeah. you're now wrapping up. You're at that, we said, 8 to 9, so 9, 9, 5, 9, 10. She's also going over treatment plans as well as the financial arrangements. Yep. She needs three MO and a crown on number 30. Okay. How do you schedule that? What do you do? I mean, we're talking your hygiene appointments. How do you schedule your operative or your restorative appointments? Okay. So when the dental assistant um, is done like 10 minutes, 15 minutes before she's done, she will actually walk to the front desk and physically tell the front desk what we're doing. So then the front desk can check the insurance. She's prepared. Um, and then, you know, they communicate on what the finances are going to be and then how long we're going to need. Now, they already know in my, my world, if I want to do a crown and a buildup, possibly a gingivectomy in there, you know, I take about an hour. I, I'm not, you know, I used to be faster, but an hour for me is plenty of time. And then they know uh, a two surface filling on a posterior is going to take me X amount of minutes. And so then they know how to schedule, but she knows that 15 minutes before the patient comes up. So then how she, does she know that? Well, because the dental assistant has come up 15 minutes before she's dismissed the patient and told the front desk what's going on. Okay. So the dental assistant yeah. physically communicates that you don't have, do you do walkie talkie? Do you actually walk to the back? You literally walk to the front. Is there something in writing? Is there a printed treatment plan? How, how does that how does that handoff happen that nothing gets missed? Yes. Okay. So um, the dental assistant is writing this. You remember I said I'm dictating to the dental insurance. Yes, I do. And stuff. Okay. So in the computer, she enters the perio. On the treatment plan, because sometimes treatment plans change, she'll actually write down the treatment plan, physically yep. write it down. It isn't it, after I see the x-rays and I approve it, then it goes into the computer. 
Yep. Yep. But yep. she'll walk over to the to to the front desk, hand her a piece of paper. It's written on there exactly what I want. I've already looked at it. Um, so then the front desk knows exactly what's going on and how long the the patient's going to be appointed for, and already so, knows what the finances are. So you've printed the treatment plan now that's been entered to the computer, and your assistant walks to the front, hands it to the receptionist. We don't even print it. She just old school. She writes it down when I'm dictating. No, but 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 you said you dictate it, you enter it. Now you are now entering into the computer's treatment plan what you what you have approved to be done. Yeah, after I approve it, yes. Right. So at that point, you now know what can be scheduled. So that's not a printed treatment plan that goes to the front. It's still a handwritten. It's still handwritten, and the front desk will now put that into the computer. So the front desk finalizes the treatment plan in the computer, not the yep. dental system. Correct. Okay, I've, I thought I've it was a dental assistant. I try, well, I checked it off with the dental assistant. Yeah, I approve this. You know, when I come back, when I look at the x-ray for the crown, um, I'll put a check mark on it. Yes, this is exactly what we're going to do. She'll take that to the front desk. Now the front desk sees the check mark. She knows to enter that into the computer. That is the treatment plan. Okay. So she now goes up there, but the patient, so, so she's got to come back to the patient or does the patient then go to the front to schedule it? How do you, how, how do you do? Well, that? she still has 15 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's going up there 15 minutes. So she's finishing up whatever she has to finish up, either showing them how to use the water floss or interdental brushes or whatever she has to finish up. That's what she's going to do. So um, she finishes that up. And then she'll go ahead and um, uh, she'll go ahead and okay, thank you. I was getting some stuff on my computer. Um, she'll come back, finish up with what she's got to do, and then she'll escort uh, the patient up front. And okay, so when she brings the patient to the front to check out, right? Yes. The front desk now has the checkout. She has, like you said, so she has some understanding on her insurance benefits if they're there, what the financial pile. So, so financial part gets handled in the business area, not in the clinical area. So then that patient then goes to the front office to schedule and to make her financial arrangements for the appointment. Does that sound right? Kind of. Um, the financial arrangements, she was qualified in the back if she's going to do care credit or one of the extended payments. Oh, she's financing it. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. So if she's financing it, we do that qualification on the back on the iPad. Um, but if she is going to pay in full because we give them the option that, you know, you could save $200 if you pay in full, what, what's best for you. If she pays in full, then she'll go at the front and make the payments at the front. Uh-huh. Okay. So now, that patient, you're, you're going to do the MO, what do we say, MO on three and crown on 30. So you're going to do that. So the front knows to schedule because the assistant has said, listen, Dr. Schefter is going to need, say, an hour and a half to do those procedures. Right. We're going to schedule it together. Yep. So then she'll schedule it next week, 9 o'clock? Uh, this depends on what the patient wants. So the doctor would like you back uh, as soon as possible. Uh, what day uh, is best for you? Would you, you know, like a morning or an afternoon? And then we have the patient choose a, a morning. Okay, great. Does Friday work or does Wednesday work? So we always mm -hmm. give them choices. 
Mm -hmm. And so we try to um, get them in as soon as we have openings, right? So we try to go with our schedule. Now, how do you, now, now here's my next question, because, uh, you know, you, you have your hygiene schedule with you. Um, how are you fitting, do you leave blocks of time? How do you, how do you handle the schedule? Because typically, I would say in the dental practice, hygiene, you're going to schedule your next hygiene appointment. So this, Mrs. Jones needs to schedule two appointments when she leaves, her next recall visit with yep. you. Yep. And she needs to schedule some, some um, restorative with you. Yep. So how, how does one, how does one handle their schedule? Given that, do you leave, leave areas? Do you, cause if you set up, if you're booked from eight to, well, you said you work seven, if you book from seven to one with your hygiene, you don't really have appointments available for your restorative. How do you handle that well, you in do. your schedule and your setup? You do. Cause I, you know, if you have four or 500 patients, not 2000, Mm -hmm. right? Most dentists have a thousand to 2000 patients. I never had that ever, you know, four or 500 patients, you got plenty of spaces. I know so do you gonna... leave spaces? Or how, how do you schedule it? Well, we schedule them anytime they want to come in. Because there's only but you still but you still have your hygiene filled, right? So well, let's ask you this. Well, we, we're hygiene filled. I'm, I'm not booked out a hygiene. I don't have a thousand patients or 2000 patients. Uh, I understand that. I understand. But, but you still are scheduling Mrs. Jones, I think was, <laughs> I no. can't remember her name anymore, yeah. <laughs> right. but I, you're still scheduling Mrs. Jones. If this is January, you're scheduling her in July, right? So Correct. you're Correct. still putting them in. So, uh, so give us a, a, give us at least an idea of what your schedule looks like with like if you were to say, okay, this is this week, next week, if you look at my schedule and you just look at blocks that are recall blocks, it's probably 30% filled with hygiene. Yeah, I don't have recall blocks. Well, what, 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 what is this person's coming in for their recall visit? Yeah, so they're scheduled for a half hour anytime they want. And then we just fit, you know, our one, two or three hour um restorative patients in between okay Sometimes. so she books out right from 8 to 8 30. oh yeah right and now you're technically free from 8 30 till whenever right and you're booking it because you're booking pretty much vertical you're not yep. booking too much lab horizontal let's say not horizontal at all right but you still you're hot you say you don't like interruptions so how are you handling the scenario where okay you have Mrs. Jones in the chair. You've seen her from 8 to 8.30. Your dental assistant is now taking some x-rays and you have to do some final. You now have a patient in your second room and you're doing restorative treatment. Right. Let's say you're doing a crown in the next room, right? Right. 8.30 to 9.30. You are going to you you do at some point, you have to get up and finalize this treatment plan with Mrs. Jones or how do you handle that? How only do you handle do, that in your in your model? Okay, only if I'm going to do a crown, right? I'll go back and make sure there's no, uh, you know, no abscess or anything like that. But if they're coming back for fillings and stuff, I'll look at those x-rays and finalize that treatment plan during my off time. We're assuming there's no other work to do. During, why is that weird? 
No, no, because I'm, I'm just, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm not, it's, it, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes. And to me, okay, in my off time, she's here now. I don't have the treatment plan finalized for her right when she leaves. We're assuming what we talked about in the operatory is the treatment plan. After I look at the X-rays, if right. I have to adjust that, then we'll yes. give them a call. Okay. But most most of the time, the patients don't have a bunch of interproximal decay or a bunch of other problems. Uh, if they're on our recall visit, I mean, we've already done all the work on them. If they don't take care of themselves, I mean, I really, I really don't see them as a patient. I mean, mm -hmm. I basically tell the patient, you're wasting your time and my time. You come in with emergencies, you always got work to do, you're not following any of I mean, why are you here? You mm -hmm. know, I have one of those discussions. So the patients that I've selected, the four or 500, they really, by the most part, they take really good care of themselves. There isn't really a whole lot of surprises on the x-rays. Okay, so that, that's an important, that's a key point. That's a huge point, in my opinion, right? So that patient that you see when you've done your cleaning and your, your, your full exam, you, you would feel confident to say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, to say that 90% of the time you're finalized your treatment plan. Yeah. So very rarely on a one out of 10, you're going to pick up something on x-ray evaluation on your time that's going to require a follow-up. Correct. That's a whole different, that's a, that's a whole different ballgame, right? As opposed to, you know, a patient where there may be five or six interproximal lesions that maybe are not picked up by the SOPRO or, you know, or, or what have you, that it's hard to really finalize that treatment plan so you have all the data, right? Yeah, now that would be more on a new patient, right? But on an existing patient where I've already done the work and they are taking good care of themselves mm -hmm. and they're coming back for their three, four, six month checkup and they're doing their part, then I'll keep them as a patient because I don't get a lot of surprises then. I don't get mm -hmm. emergency calls on the weekend. I don't have all kinds of crap going on all the time. The first practice I bought was like that. And oh my God, I go, this is crazy. He didn't even get fluoride treatments. I mean, he, he I, there was like emergencies all day long. Every time you look at x-rays, it was, it was awful. Yeah, you're and putting out fires. Yeah. All day long. And mm -hmm. I go, this is crazy. So I kind of started at the beginning of my career um, training patients and say, look, if, if you want to stay here, that's great. And I'll roll the red carpet out and do everything for you, but you have to do your part. You have to pick up the brush. You have to use these products. You have to use an interdental cleaner. If you don't do that, I'm going to stomp out fires all the time and I'm wasting my time. I, I can't waste my time with people that don't want to help themselves. You know what? Fantastic point. Look, I, I, if you if you would not mind, please. Yeah. How would that conversation go? You have a patient who, let's say, let's take a, uh, I don't even know what the hell generations they call them, an X, Y, Z, Q, R, S, whatever. Yeah. You have a 20 to 30 year old patient, right? Yeah. The person who has, you know, been on their parents' insurance, you know, all of a sudden, they, they go to college, they live on Snickers bars, you don't see them, et cetera. Yep. And you're seeing them and it's almost decay, fillings, decay, fillings. 
talk about the, the, that conversation where you just started to approach. What conversation would you have with that person where you just don't think you're, you're, they're not getting it or you're not helping them? Talk, okay. How, how would that conversation go? Because I gotta gotta believe that's uncomfortable for a lot of dentists to have that conversation. Well, it wasn't comfortable for me because I hated putting out fires. But I, you know, with the SoPro camera, with the intraoral camera, you know, you're showing them and you got to go through this and. You, I basically got to sit there and ruin them. Say, look, I got to sit here and drill on your teeth for an hour. You don't want to. I don't want to. I go, this is crazy. What are you doing? I mean, I would, what are you, what are you thinking, you know? And, um, you know, they, it, it depends on what their demeanor is. If they're just blowing me off, yeah. I'll, say, I'll say, look, I'm happy to be your dentist and I'll finish you through this treatment, but you really need to go find another dentist if you're not going to take care of yourself, because this is too hard of work for me. I says, you know, if you don't want to take care of yourself, I'm putting out fires. Your parents are spending tons of dough or you are, you got to take off work. Then you, now, because you're starting your career, you got to come in in the evening. I don't work in the evenings. I mean, this just brings up all kinds of problems. I says, it's so much easier if you just follow, brush your teeth twice a day, lay off the sugars, use these interdental cleaners, I go, it's not very difficult, but if you're not going to do that, I really can't be your dentist. That's the conversation I have with them because I'm not going through a circus every day. I'm just not going to do it. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> more power to you. I think that's yeah. awesome. Now, um, how many times did that result in, you know, an irate patient or a patient just like, what? You know, like. Um, I say it in a, in a loving way, in a caring way. You know, I rarely, rarely mm -hmm. does that happen. Because I go, look, you don't, I don't want your teeth to get drilled down. You're so young. You know, it's, it's how you communicate with them. And they could feel it's, I'm caring for them, you know, and I don't want them to be in bad shape. So I, I, I can't remember the last time that somebody really got irate when you frame it correctly and you're presenting it in a loving way. But, but if that like, person just flat out is just not going to do it, right? Because there's people, right? What's the percentage of people that actually floss and, and, and clean their teeth? Oh, five percent. That's why I don't even tell them about floss. Minuscule, you know. Yeah, don't even. That's stupid to talk about floss. They ain't going to do it. You know, so it's just you, you know, it's like compliant. It's it's just a hard, you know. So what about that? Would that person just say, "I'm not going to make my next appointment," or what? Yeah. What, what happened? Um, like if they're not picking up a toothbrush, right? They don't have to be perfect. I don't, I don't expect perfect patients, but you know, you got to get at least a B here. <laughs> you got to be a B student for me to see you or, or oh, I yeah. see you. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's like, um, if they just refuse to take care of themselves, say, you know, you're welcome back, but I just can't keep putting out these fires and there's Dr. So-and-so's across the street there. I, I had 10 dentists within walking distance. And I said, you know, I, I think they might be able to better help you. So I let the patient decide what they want to do. But if they're going to come back, you got to pick up the toothbrush. You got to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I spend my time with people that want help, uh, not people that don't care. Did you, did you have a, a decent amount of seniors patients? Yeah, I did. How about your seniors with the, um, when they start to get either multi-pharmacologies or they just get the dry mouth and you start to see that cervical 
you know, I hate to call it, but old man's decay, kind of like yep. that. It's not their fault. You know, a lot right. of the medications or Sjogren's is coming up or they right. autoimmune diseases. I love them and I take really good care of those patients. And you're right. I've, I've got to stop and go look at x-rays and, and monitor them a little bit closer. Yeah, they're a challenge. And I will never kick them out because it's not their fault. They're, they are trying. Right. Right. I got them on fluoride treatments. And, they're, and you know, their mouths are dry as a desert. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you really feel for them. They got the dry eyes. I have quite a bit of Sjogren's. I'm surprised yeah. how much more I'm seeing of that uh, as time goes on. And you've seen them for years, right? Yeah. And, and you have a history. And then all of a sudden, in yeah. six months, you're like, they went to hell in a handbasket so fast. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, yeah. it's almost like we need to take x-rays at every recall. And, yeah. and we need anterior, we need vertical bite wings. We got, you know, it's like, we got to change our routine a little bit because. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, and I do. And I would say that's maybe, what, 5% of the time. I mean, it's not the majority. Mm -hmm. But those people, I'm going to love them and then take better care with them and really bust my ass for them. Mm -hmm. do everything I can to try to help them hold on to their teeth as long as they can. And we do. I mean, I, you know, they usually, that happens when they're in their late 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. I could limp them along until they're 90. And yet you're right. At 90, they're probably going to lose their teeth. But I could but, limp them along for 10 years. But, you know, it's, you know, it's true. I mean, I, I just had someone I just saw the other day. And it just, it breaks my heart because now she comes yeah. in with a walker. Um, and she's just the sweetest, sharpest woman on the planet. And, and I'll, and, you know, it's just like cervical. Like after, and, and I had a treatment plan with her, I'm going to say three months ago. And she was at first, she was obviously very nervous with COVID. She comes in, we did the treatment and, and literally I was going to do like, a, call it a, just call it a mesial buckle on, on seven. Well, the distal buckle was now blown out. And I was like, oh my goodness, like that happened in this amount of time. So, um, and it's just, it's, it's a challenge, you know? Well, it's heartbreaking. One of the, one of the guys that was on the Arizona World War II, uh, yeah. just have it, right? I limped him along. Well, now he's damn near, what, a hundred years old. There's nothing more to save anymore. But, you know, I've been seeing him for a long time. I figure, okay. At 80, okay, I'll limp him along, see what happens. Well, he's 90, 91, 92. Now he's 100. I got to put him in dentures at 100, you know, and this guy's in tears. It breaks your heart. Yeah. It's, the, it's the hard part about, one of the hard parts about our profession. But okay. you just love him and do your best. Right. Well, it's fascinating. Um, any, we're going to wrap up a little bit um, in a little bit of time couple more questions I want to, I'm going to get back. Sorry, we, we kind of went off on the uh, geriatric trail oh, here. Like get, old me, people. get me back again. We'll talk some more. Like what old people do, right? This is what yeah, we do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How's your golf day? Uh, anyway, um, so going back to the, to the scenario. So um, you're, so just go, but let's go back to that for just a minute, right? So you, you have your recall patient from eight to eight 30. Um, you, you don't really, prefer block scheduling in terms of, okay, I want to see my, my boulders and my rocks at this time. And I want to put me in my crown and bridge early in the day. And you're, you're going to be very patient user friendly in terms of your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're paying me above average fees. And, um, I figured the least I could do is have them come in when they want. How did you, 
because you said you've always been fee for service and that's that's yeah. the model and that's what you've grown so you're talking to a young dentist now because young dentists i don't believe are graduating with full mouth rehabilitation skills i think that's a quite a bit of extra training that happens um you know not not by accident but on purpose yeah and a lot of money and time has to be spent to learn those skills so that's not a skill set a lot of them are graduating and you did mention earlier that when you hire and you brought associates in, you train them. So I would assuming that some of that is some of the training that you had, the advanced training that you actually had while you were in dental school. So, so I'm a young dentist. I'm graduating. Um, I'm looking at going into practice. I'm looking at buying a practice. What would your advice be to me going into a practice? Let's say uh, as an associate, one. And then let's say I'm going in, I'm going to purchase a practice. What would your advice be as an associate? It depends on what their end game is going to be. Do you want to own your own practice or not? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't know, well, then go in as an associate and start smelling around to see if this is something that you want to own. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so you, they have to decide that. But let's assume just for a second, they've decided, yeah, I want to be, have my own business, make my own calls. Okay. You know how to do a crown, right? You know how to do dentures. You know how to do basics. Well, that's going to be 80 to 90% of your days. Full mouth reconstructions don't come along, as you know, that often, yep. right? I mean, I, if I did a couple of those a month, one or two of those a month, that was, that was big. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot, yeah. right? So that one or two a month, get to know a prosthodontist, refer them to the prosthodontist, get your butt in the school, and go through a course to learn how to know how to do full mouth reconstructions if you enjoy that type of work. See, when I coach dentists, I have a questionnaire. And one of the questions on it is like, what kind of treatment do you like to do? Well, if you don't like crown and bridge, um, well, then let's not market and let's not find that kind of practice. Yeah. Right? Or if you hate kids, well, why are you buying that practice of 40% of its kids? What are you thinking? So you have to form the practice to what the treatment is that you like. So you end up enjoying going to the office. You don't want to go to the office to do treatment that you hate doing every day. I didn't place implants, take out wisdom teeth because I hated that kind of surgery. I, I think it's gross. I don't like doing it. Root canals. I, I don't have the patience for it. Bending wires. Ah, get out of here. I'm not doing that either. So, you know, what did I have? Yeah, no, I think, I think the one thing lacking is a lot, a lot of self-reflection, self, -reflection, self you know, examination. And I think social media has ruined it because everybody thinks, oh, this is what I want to be. That's one person I can think of off the top of my head. She's all over the map every, every other day. And it's like, what do you really want? And I don't, I don't really give two craps what it is, but make it, make it yours, you know, and then own it and then, yep. and then go after it with passion. Like, it's just very simple. My, that's a my, very it's exactly you just summed up exactly the way i try to coach doctors let's find out where you want to live you know that's a big deal i'm going through that now with a couple of guys what, what, what do you mean there's an opportunity out here well you said you hate snow it's in the middle of wyoming what are you thinking <laughs> you, you like surfboarding let's yeah. start looking for some place where you could surf Right. And, and but but also what's 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 your priority scale right if your priority scale is business and and, and this then yeah. maybe you're gonna give up this to yeah. get that right so what are your gives and what are your gets like, what are you giving up to what are you gonna get so 
nothing comes free and nothing comes without a little bit of the price, right? So Absolutely. But I always encourage them, look at what you, makes you happy personally first. Yeah. What do you like to do when you're not working? Yeah. Okay. Now let's, we could find a practice anywhere, but let's find a practice where it's in an area that you really like. Okay, so now we got that. Now let's, you know, and then we just step it down. Now let's find the treatments that you like. Now let's market towards that population and start molding this practice exactly the way you like. You like mm -hmm. a bigger, I just talked to another guy. I mean, he bigger is better, man. He wants eight operatories, four hygienists. I mean, he's, he, he's that kind of guy, but he's very, very high energy. I'm just not that energetic. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, too, I'm just too lazy. <laughs> so there's well, not a right way or a wrong way right exactly right there's that's the million dollar answer there's no right or wrong like way you practice is not the way i practice doesn't right. make you right doesn't make me wrong doesn't make me right doesn't make you wrong right however i don't want to hear a dentist saying oh this is so much pressure and i'm not getting paid enough well then why are you practicing that way most of them that come to me tell me this that practicing with a bunch of hygienists and chair hopping and blah 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 and I'm in network insurance and I'm not making no money and I'm stressed to the max in this big facility. Well, why are you doing it? Let me show you a different way is on the opposite end of the scale. And I find the majority of dentists relate to my model and understand it. But unfortunately, they're doing the opposite way because they're being led in that direction. Well, I think, don't you think the debt service has a lot to do with it? I think if someone has standing there with five, $600,000 over their head that they owe, that there's this, I got to make money now, um, pressure. It, it is. And, you know, they have the Walmart mentality that bigger is better. And then when I show them that I'm doubling your income, seeing less than half the patients, they're like, wait, this can't be true. So get out a pen and paper. Let's go through the numbers. Mm -hmm. I could show any dentist uh, without a hygienist model, model seeing recare patients that they can make $450,000 a year with barely picking up a drill just doing this. That's going to blow you away. But I can go through the math, right? If you're $200 an hour for an exam cleaning and fluoride and you're seeing two recares an hour, that's 400 bucks plus what your assistant's doing. It's very easy to make $600 an hour with a 45 or 50% overhead. That's mm -hmm. $450,000 a year in your pocket. Mm -hmm. I think the only issue that I would find for me is um, state laws are very, very with the dental assistant licensing. What's, what's, what they can and what they can't do. New York state's one of the, uh, well, they could polish we, we practice in Pennsylvania as well. So Pennsylvania rules are different, you know, well, than polish, New York. Polish fluoride x-ray sealants. That's pretty much universal, isn't it? I don't think they can. I don't think they can touch a profiant piece. I don't think they can polish, but even above the gums. Well, that takes some real special skill, I guess. It's apparently in New York State when you cross that border, right? Apparently, when you come from Pennsylvania, think, New York, apparently, yeah, apparently it's yeah. a very difficult skill to do in New York. Yeah. No, we have this. It's a one-day course, course, right? It's a one-day course that uh, somebody from that was working at McDonald's the week before can get certified for. Yeah. 
Okay. So just so I understand, that's pretty complicated in New York. They must have a special technique or something. But it sounds we've got right. this. Uh, we've got this governor. No, I won't go there. I'm just right. kidding. But, but it's political, right? It has to be political, right? It's it is. When when I, I've been in it long enough that I know that when we started, even the CDA program, and then the New York State Licensed Dental Assistant, and then the, the examinations, and then the training packages. And I, I don't. I, we don't have enough time to go into all that. But it's, right. It was a disaster. So let's uh, let's get this. I do want to ask you one final question, and sure. I really appreciate your time and, and, and your oh, perspective. Yeah. Have me I think on a, again. a lot I, to I be could, learned, right? I, I could talk about this all day. So one question I've asked everybody, and this just has nothing to do with dentistry. If you could go to a different time or place, where would you go and why? This point in time, I love. And I would not go anyplace else. I, I honestly, I've been so happy the last 20 years practicing and being a dentist and now being retired and having the money to not worry about money and just to play with my wife, my family, my grandkids. Yeah, I've seen them in the background. I, I am the, I'm telling you, I've lived a dream life. And that's why I don't have to work for money. I don't even have to do any coaching. But I want to show dentists that there's another way to really enjoy being a dentist. Let me, let me show you what I see so you and your family can experience what we have. And I can get my wife and my kids out here, and they'll tell you, this last 20 years has been a ball. I would not go back in time anywhere. This is the best. Awesome. Times. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Hopefully our, our listeners get something. I, I know I sure did. Um, uh, and uh, welcome to 2021. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the fee for service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also be sure to join our fee for service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.